0: God, this morning as we look up in the front here, we just see a lot of brokenness. We pray that today that you would help us to understand what it is that you want to do in our lives. And we ask that you bless us now, that as we open up your word, that you might give us great understanding for what you want us to learn today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, it's on page... 147 in your Bibles. And I want you to take a good look up here and see just all of this brokenness. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that at one time, maybe in your life, that you were built up? These represent the walls of Jerusalem that were all built up. And God was being honored and God was being glorified and and the walls were up and all of a sudden your life looks kind of like this. Or maybe you feel a little bit like this over here. God's rebuilding, but you have no idea what God's doing. God hasn't shown you yet what it's supposed to be or what it's going to look like. And somehow you're looking at this whole mess and saying, God, it's not supposed to be this way. And God, can it ever be restored? Can it ever be rebuilt? And we play different roles in life. You play roles in life. All the time, you play different roles in life. And we're gonna look today to see some of the roles that different people played in the the breaking of certain lives. And sometimes it's even a nation of brokenness. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, let me just set the stage for what's going on here. This is right before the Israelites are about to go into the land of Canaan that God had given them, uh, the land of Canaan, and they were about to go into it, and Moses was warning them, saying, you need to be careful now, because if you go into this land and you forget the most important thing, God's gonna remove you. And here's the most important thing that Moses wanted them to know, and, and the same is true today. Do you know there's only two things that God wants from you? Two. And it's amazing over the centuries how it seems like no matter what nation it is or who it is, we struggle with these two simple things. Number one, God wants you to love Him with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Just love the larger God. And we sometimes struggle there. Number two, God wants us to be obedient. In fact, you could almost take the whole Bible and summarize it in those two things. Love the Lord your God and be obedient to God. And if we would just do those two things, our lives would change so dramatically. In fact, sometimes way for the better. But God is always working in us and God is always working through us. So in Deuteronomy, God uses Moses to talk to them about what's gonna happen. Okay, in Deuteronomy 30, I want you to look down, left column, way down at the bottom, find verse 15. Now friends, here's my encouragement to you. Take your Bible, take a piece of paper, take a communication card, mark these, and go back and read these over again. Take ownership of your faith today, and go back and look these up, because God has some amazing things to say, and I don't have enough time to go through all of this with you. But verse 15, you might want to circle that so you know where to come back to. Moses says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then if you do this, you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? If you love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, what's gonna happen? They'll be blessed and they'll live long in that land and have prosperity as God sees fit. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you are not, here's the word, obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing in the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? What's God say? This is what I want. I want you to love me, says God, and I want you to be obedient to me. And if you do that, God's blessing will be upon you. But if we choose not to do that, we can expect brokenness. We can expect things are going to happen that are not going to be good. Now, interesting, earlier, and you can read this, I'm not going to read this for you. Earlier in chapter 30, you know, if you look at verses 1 through 8, God uses Moses and tells them, actually in these verses, you're not going to do it. He tells them, he says, you're not going to follow God. And the day is going to come that God is going to banish you from the land that you're going to take. God's going to banish you. But he wants to encourage them at the same time. God uses Moses as a bearer of hope that says to the people, don't worry because God will banish you from this land. But it doesn't matter how far you are. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how far away from God you ever get. God is going to restore you and bring you back to this place again. And so God uses Moses in two key ways. One is to say, love the Lord your God. But then he's a bearer of bad news, but I know you won't. But it's okay, God gives hope and God's going to restore you and bring you back. And that's all in chapter 30. Now turn over if you will, we're gonna go to the next one, 2 Chronicles. It's on page, find 333, 333. And what we see is we're gonna see the story of the Israelites getting broken. And how they get broken is that God brings them into the land of Canaan and they're there for a season, for years. And then they fall away from God. And when they fall away from God, God takes the whole nation of them and he takes them over to Babylon, 800 miles away, which is currently the land of Iraq. And God takes the Israelites and brings them over to Babylon and says, I'm going to break you. Why? So that God can rebuild them. But it's gonna go back to the same two things because what does God want? God wants them to learn to love the Lord, their God with all their heart, soul, and mind and to be obedient. Okay, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, find verse 15. This is just chronicling the events of what transpired. The Lord, 2 Chronicles 36, verse 15. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them, meaning the Israelites, through his messengers again and again, because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people, and there was no remedy. Do you see what was going on? God loved them so much as God loves us, but when their hearts began to stray away from God and their hearts began to get hardened, God started to send messengers and they wouldn't listen. God sent prophets, they killed them. God sent the word of God through all of these people and they wouldn't listen. And no matter what God tried, their hearts were getting harder and harder Towards God until finally God says, There's no remedy. Something has to change. Verse 17. So he brought up against them the king of the Babylonians, who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary, and spared neither young man nor young woman, old man or aged. God handed all of them over to Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. He carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, both large and small, and the treasures of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. They set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all of the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword and they became servants to him and his sons until the kingdom of Persia came to power. Imagine being an Israelite at that time. You know your heart has been straying from God and God takes you out of your homeland and sends you to Iraq. And that's where you will live. In fact, God prophesied to them and told them that they'd be there for 70 years. Start turning, turning over to Jeremiah, would you? Jeremiah 29. This is a great verse you might want to even memorize. It's on page 558, 558. So the Israelites are banished from their homeland and they're taken over to Iraq of today and God left them there. It's kind of desert there. They were in the desert when they left Egypt. They're back in the desert again and they're gonna be there for a a solid generation. Very few people probably went there and actually had the ability to come back. Now let me put some dates so that you can understand the dating of all this. It was the year 605 that actually the king of Babylon, for the first time, came through Israel. And he took a large group of the people that were there and brought them over to Babylon, 800 miles away. Well, they didn't learn their lesson. They came back again. The king of Babylon came back again in, in 597. And he took more people back to Babylon. They still didn't learn their lesson. He came back a a third time in the year 586. And this is where the temple was broken down and destroyed and burned with fire. The gates were all burned with fire. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down and left in a complete shambles. But let me pause here. But all throughout, God had a plan of salvation all along. And now it looks like it was hopeless because Jerusalem is completely destroyed. All of God's people are over in Babylon at this time, and they all lost hope. And so sometimes God uses people as bearers of hope. And God raises up Jeremiah 29, find verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. What a great word of hope. I mean, imagine if you're in a brokenness, if you right now, if you're feeling like your life is broken, God can restore you. God has no interest to just destroy people and say, just leave them there. God doesn't do that. God breaks us down so he can build us up so that we can become what God wants us to become. Now, I have to show you this. Start turning to Isaiah, uh, a little bit before Jeremiah, Isaiah chapter 44, it's on page 516. I have to show you this because this is one of the most fascinating things I think I've ever seen in the Bible. Now, they're over in the land of the Babylonians. They're over in Iraq. And God says, in 70 years, I'm bringing you back. And it was 70 years. The first deployment, if you will, was in 605. And in 535, God began bringing them back. But how in the world was God going to work miraculously to change the heart of now the king of Persia, Because God said that the Babylonians that God was gonna use to banish them, God would actually destroy never to rise again. Isn't that interesting when you think about Iraq today? Just interesting. So the king of Persia comes along and now he's in, if you will, reigning. And God has to move his heart to let the people go back to to, uh, Jerusalem Okay, Isaiah chapter 44, look at verse 24. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. Now jump down to verse 28. Who says of Cyrus, the king of Persia, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please he will save Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and the temple, let its foundations be laid. Okay, but here's a cool thing that I've got to pause, and then we're going to read on further. God's talking to Cyrus, right? The king, and saying, all right, Cyrus, you are going to let my people come back, and they're going to rebuild the temple again. Except here's what's awesome. Do you know that 150 years before Cyrus was born, God wrote this. So when Cyrus comes into power, and he was, he was actually in power for about 20 years before this, and then Persia comes along and overtakes Babylon. and now when he's there, it's one of the Israelites who points this out and says, "Wow, this is fascinating that we have a king whose name is Cyrus in Persia, and God talked to him." And so what they do is they bring Isaiah to Cyrus, and they say, "Cyrus." You gotta read this, you're in the Bible. And he's like, what, you're kidding me. So look at verse chapter 45. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him, and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains, I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that, so that, here's the key, you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Now imagine, put yourself in Cyrus's position for a minute. And somebody comes and says, you're going to read this. Isaiah wrote this 150 years ago. And calls you by name with a job for you to do. And Cyrus goes, wow, I better do this. In fact, you don't have to do it now, but in 2 Chronicles, if you would have kept reading to the end of the chapter, you would see where Cyrus fulfills the word of God. And he lets the first deployment, who are now still in the same place, in Iraq, says, you can go back. And lets 50,000 people go back. So 50,000 people go under, his name was Zerubbabel, and he brings 50,000 people back with one purpose in mind, to rebuild the temple of God. Now friends, I want to encourage you to do something. Go back and read through the book of Ezra. Because the book of Ezra talks all about this, because the second deployment, the first was in uh, 535, The second deployment from Iraq back to Jerusalem was in the year 458 and Ezra led the second one back. But Ezra writes about what God did through them when they went back into Jerusalem. And then there was a third deployment, the final deployment from Iraq all the way back to Jerusalem and it was led by this guy whose name was Nehemiah. We're beginning a series today on the book of Nehemiah because it's not only the story of brokenness, but it's a story of rebuilding. So now turn to Nehemiah. Turn to Nehemiah chapter one, you can find it on page 342. And I wanna encourage you, go back and reread all of these lessons that I shared with you. Read the book of Ezra, read through the book of Nehemiah, and I think you're gonna be in a position to really understand what God is doing Because God's heart is for two things, one, that we'll love him, and two, that we're obedient to him. And so sometimes God needs to do some breaking, and you probably had brokenness in your own life. Well, let's read this. This is Nehemiah chapter one, verse one. We'll be in here for the next six weeks. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, which is November and December, In the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, this is still back in Iraq, Hanani, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Okay, do you get kind of the picture? So here's Nehemiah and you'll learn a whole lot more about Nehemiah, he's kind of like a second to the king, like a personal friend of the king of uh, of Persia, Cyrus. And his brother comes back, Hanani, and he's like, hey, Hanani, how you doing? How was your trip all the way back from Jerusalem, that 800-mile trip, and what's new? And and how's Jerusalem? And he's got some really bad news. Verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. What's the significance of that? So what if the walls are broken down? What's the big deal? A huge big deal. See, at the time, if you were a city with no walls, you were nothing because any enemy could just walk right in, take over. Completely and totally insignificant. But you see, Jerusalem is where God's love was and still is. And God had a special place for Jerusalem in his heart. He knew that's where his son Jesus was going to be going. And so when Nehemiah heard these words that this city was broken down, he he just, he was broken himself because it was as though God was completely insignificant and anybody can come in and do whatever they wanted to to God's people. And when When Nehemiah heard those words, look at what it says. Verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah had no idea what God was doing. He had no idea that Nehemiah was about to just get broken suddenly, kind of like out of nowhere, God was gonna break Nehemiah and then build him up to go back and rebuild lives. And there are some times in our lives, friends, that you and I, God's gotta break us. See, without breaking, if there's no breaking that goes on in our lives, what happens is we become very self-reliant What do I need God for? Got my job, got my life, got my health, got my family, got house, cars. Hey, what do I need God for? And sometimes what happens is that God may just take some of that away and break us so that we realize how much we really need God. One of the dangers in the Bible says that God talks about is when life is really good, he told the Israelites this, Look out, because if life is really good and you've got everything you need, be careful because that's the time that your heart will fall away from God. Hearts normally don't fall away from God in brokenness. That's when they return. And so you may be in different places right now. I don't know if you're in maybe this really great place in life that God may need to break you. Maybe you're in the breaking stage. Maybe you're the broken one. Things in life have not gone well, you're broken. Maybe God has been rebuilding you and he's rebuilding you so that you can rebuild others. I don't know if you've ever been broken, but let me tell you, it really hurts. You know, I should have known better when I was gonna teach this lesson that God was gonna do something in my life this week. I never saw it coming, friends. I got to tell you, I never saw it coming. God broke me this week. It was a small one, but God really broke me. It goes back to Monday this week. I was working on my van. My goodness, my van has needed like $700 just in parts. So I've been working on the van, working on the van, and it was Monday night at 9.30, and all of a sudden, I got two brake lines that are like rusted and clogged. And this is a van my son drives, so I can't just let him drive it. But I'm out of time. I can't get it fixed. I didn't have the money for it. I didn't have the time to fix it. And you know what? I I hit a wall on Monday night. It just, it was about 9.30, I just was like, hit the wall. And I was just like, I was so aggravated. I mean, I'm under the van, I'm looking at it. And you know, when you got that much time and effort into a van, (laughs) I just wouldn't take a sledgehammer to the van. And I just, and I went to bed. I was just like, I just, I got to end this day. And I just said, God, I don't even want to talk to you right now. Just, I want this day over. I'm sick of this day. And I did. I went right to bed. And I got up the next morning and I came in and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm driving around the van. You know, it's got no rear brakes and I'm driving it anyways. And I'm, and I'm just, I'm irritated because I don't know what to do. How am I going to fix this? And I get to church here and, um, Somebody's over by the coffee bar, goes, hey, come here. So I walk over there. goes, what do you want to drink? He said, oh, I'll have a coffee. So I had a coffee. And he goes, what's up with the van? I said, why asking? him? He goes, well, you just had the hood open. I was putting brake fluid in. I said, I got a problem. And you know, I didn't see this coming. I started to cry. He said, what's the matter? And I said, I have no time to fix this van. I know it's a stupid van. I have no time to fix a van. I have no money to get this thing fixed, and I'm in trouble. And you know, sometimes God does incredible things. And I started crying. He says, come with me. I said, where are we going? He said, we're gonna go get your van fixed. I said, I can't. He said, I'll pay for it. Just come with me. And we went over, over by Ron's and he walks into Ron and he says, Here's my card. You bill me. I'll take care of this for you. And friends, I cried. I came back and the staff was in there, and you know, I walk in and you know John can testify. I'm I'm, I'm crying. I'm not a crier. I start bawling. Sometimes God has to break us. And sometimes it's even a dumb thing that shouldn't break us, but it does. And sometimes God wants to use you, like he did this individual who just happened to be getting a cup of coffee at the moment when I walked in, who God wanted to use to bless me. And then to bless you. Sometimes God breaks us. Sometimes God builds us. Sometimes God uses you to build others. Sometimes God uses you as the bearer that if nothing changes, bad things are going to start happening. Sometimes God uses you for hope and says, it's okay, God still loves you no matter what. And sometimes you get to be that person that just happens to be right where God wants you and you bless someone else. I believe God's been doing amazing work here at Messiah and is gearing up and getting ready for a rebuilding. You know this rebuilding was planned back last summer And this series was planned. God planned it out because God is going to begin to rebuild us as a church. And as God rebuilds us as a church, God wants to use us to bless others who God is breaking. Count on it, friends. God is going to bring people through those doors whose lives look just like this. You might be here this morning in tears because this is your life right here. And you're wondering, is this a safe place? Absolutely, and knows that God is already rebuilding and building back, God wants to use you. God needs you to reach out to others, to pour into them and to walk alongside them and to carry their burdens and to pray for them and to pour in and build them up. And it happens this morning. It may be at your workplace, God wants to build your life so that you can reach out to those whose lives are broken. So if you're in the breaking stage and God's broken you, there's people here that want to rebuild and help rebuild. If you're in the rebuilding stage, then God is asking you to come alongside others and start pouring into them because God wants to use you to build them back up and to give hope. And the amazing part of this whole story that we see in Nehemiah is that God desperately wanted to bring the Israelites back to Jerusalem. Why? Because it was only 400 years later that the Messiah, that Jesus, the Son of God, was to be born right in that little town six miles south in Bethlehem. And that the Savior was going to be in Jerusalem and the Savior was gonna give His life. Why? Because our relationship with God was broken. And the only way to restore that was through Jesus. And so in the very place that God brought them back was the place that God already targeted. That's the place for my son. Where your life and my life can be built up in God. So that, let me go back to the first thing that I said so that you and I can love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and that we might learn to walk with God obediently. Let's pray. God, you're an amazing God, amazing. The journey of the Israelites sometimes is our journey. You call us to walk with you, and sometimes we don't, and we stray very far from you but you call us home and you call us back into relationship with you and then god you call us to go seek those who are still lost to seek those that are broken to seek those that are hurting and restore them in their relationship with you god so god wherever we are in our journey today you know what we need and we ask that you would bless us with what we need for those who need to be broken, we pray for breaking. For those who are hopeful, give hope. God, for those who need encouragement, give them encouragement. For those who need the assurance that you're still there, give them that assurance. For those who are rebuilding, God, rebuild in them and pour into them. For those who need to pour into others, we pray that you give them a conviction, just like you did Nehemiah, to pour into others. So God, wherever we are in our journey, we pray that you'd use us for the furtherance of your kingdom, so that more people can be restored with you and their relationship with you. We ask this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen.